Got my Christian sweet tea. Yeah, they play worship music at this place. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go find a mechanic. Maybe they'll even pray for my car. Oh, I can't believe it. This place is perfect. What the? Oh man, I gotta get back in the gym. A few too many nuggets. Need a good Christian gym. Oh, are you serious? CrossFit? That's gotta be a Christian gym. Hey, you guys do Bible study with your workout? Oh man, after that workout, I need some healthy Christian food. Gotta be some good Christian food. Oh, what? Wait. Godfathers. Wait to sell the holy. Look. Oh man, I gotta get going. I got to get going. Yeah, yeah, what's up, bro? I know. I know. I'm coming. I'm on the way. Oh man, I'm late for my prayer and pickleball group. The Christian bubble wrap life, am I right? The Christian bubble wrap life. By the way, this is Go Big Red Christian bubble wrap. None of this Iowa crap up in here, you know what I mean? You know, in the Christian bubble wrap life, I mean, this, this is perfect because you're protected from, you know, those people, those things in this crazy evil world that could sort of take off your Christian shine, harsh your Christian groove. You, you can have Christian everything. You can be surrounded by all things Christian. You can have your Christian mechanic, your Christian gym, your Christian hairstylist. You can get in as many Bible studies as you can cram into your schedule, add a couple of T-Life groups on top of it. You can just have Christian everything, Christian mu music, Christian movies, Christian books, Christian TV shows. I mean, this is the life, the Christian bubble wrap life. It's there for the taking, unless, um, unless you want to take something that Jesus said seriously. When a very religious person, probably somebody trying to justify their own bubble wrap life, asked Jesus, what's the most important thing God ever told us to do? The most important thing. And Jesus said, well, I'll, I'll boil it down for you. I'll give you two. Two pursuits if you want to follow me. Love God. Here's what he said. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And the second commandment God gave you is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus even clarified in one account of this. He said, all the 600 plus laws you're trying to follow, busting your tail trying to follow, all the things the prophets ever told you about how to live for this one true God, all of that can be summed up in these two commandments. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I'm not going to wear this the whole time in case you're wondering. Like, is he going to do bubble wrap the whole time? I'll go ahead and start taking it off. But for the past two weeks in this Art of Neighboring series, we've been unpacking what Jesus said and what he meant when he said, I want you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. And what did he mean by that? And as we're going to see today, if we want to take Jesus at his word and obey it and live it 
and become everything he's created us to be as followers of his, the Christian bubble wrap life, even a go big red one, the Christian bubble wrap life won't get it done. It may feel good, may be safe, may be easy, but it's not the life that Jesus had in mind when he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I want to expand a little bit of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about how to love your literal neighbor, those people next door, across the street, back fence, you know, those people that you see hopefully day in and day out in your neighborhood. We're going to expand it a little bit this morning to this. I want to, I want to look at this kind of neighbor. And it's the people in our life who don't know Jesus. People in our life who may be far away from God. That's the neighbor we're going to talk about. Those friends and family, teammates, roommates, work, co-workers, acquaintances, yes, even maybe your literal neighbors who would say, I've not put my faith in Jesus. You know, I'm somewhere left of walking closely with Jesus, somewhere on the spiritual spectrum from very interested to I don't really care about God right now, somewhere in the spectrum. That's the neighbor we're talking about this morning. And the reason I want us to focus there is because Jesus showed us over and over and over and over again with his life, that's who I'm here for. I left the perfect confines of heaven, Jesus would say, to walk among, on this wicked earth among people just like you. I subjected myself to all kinds of pain and suffering and ultimately death for those people who are just like you. I touched and held and cared for and healed and encouraged and hung out with people just like you who are far away from me. Jesus would tell us today, as he told us 2,000 years ago and showed us 2,000 years ago, you can't live the Christian bubble wrap life and be who God has called us to be for our friends and family and people in our life who don't know him yet. We can't. No Christian bubble wrap followers of Jesus allowed. If we're going to live this out, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all these things are bad. I'm not bashing all these Christian things we've got. It's, you know, it's great. Um, not all of them are bad in and of themselves. But I am saying that the longer you are a Christian... The longer you pursue the very religious life of one of these teachers of the law that Jesus took to task pretty often, the more we have a tendency, a tendency to separate ourselves from a non-Christ-following world. I've seen it happen hundreds of times. The more our hearts move away from what Jesus showed us and taught us about how to love our neighbor as ourselves, the more our lives and our schedule and our days and our weeks fill up with Christian stuff and Christian people and Christian activities until we're to the point where Jimmy talked about last week, where's all the flashlights? If you were here last week, Jimmy did a great job of talking about our purpose in this world as when Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Where's the light of the world that Jesus wants to bring through us? Well, it's all together, just lighting things up, making it brighter in there all together, having no impact in the dark. Where's the salt of the earth, you know, that Jesus called us? If, if we're only in the salt shaker all the time together, all the salt together, Jesus said, this actually makes you less salty when you're all together. Be the salt of the earth. Get out there. Because your friends and family are desperate for the seasoning. They're desperate for the flavor. They're desperate for the preservation, for the rescue of that light 
in the dark. We have to regularly take stock of where we are as Christ followers and ask ourselves two very important questions. And they're these. Am I keeping room in my heart for people who are far away from God? And am I keeping room in my life for people that are far away from God? Is there room in my heart, room in my life for people who don't know Jesus yet? Because if we're not very careful, if we don't keep a watch on our heart, we start to view this whole thing like this. There's us, the saved, the redeemed, the sanctified, the holy, the righteous, the saints, all these great Bible words we have to describe ourselves, and then there's them, the unholy, the non-believers, the spiritually disinterested, the heathens, that's a good one, the pagans, let's bring pagans back from thousands of years ago. If we're not very careful, we start to look at it like this. There's us over here, the God people, and then there's them over there. And I don't want to mix it up with them. I mean, in my Christian bubble wrap life, I might, I might get dirty. I don't want to mix it up over there. If we're not very careful, we can start to look at it like this. It's like a friend of mine was telling me recently about uh, her grandpa was uh, checked into to rehab. Um, he, had, he had an alcoholic addiction, um, alcoholism, and he, they checked him into rehab. And he started to describe this time in rehab as um, the time they put me in jail, is what he called it. But her grandpa was a longtime, very religious person, very, you know, very involved in church, church leader for a long time. He just had this demon he couldn't slay of alcoholism. So they checked him into rehab. Well, her grandpa said, the wor- you know, the worst part of my time in jail was my time in rehab. You know the worst part? They put me in there with drug addicts and sex addicts and all these sinners. They put me in there with them. And you know, you're probably thinking sort of like I am a little logically. You're thinking, hey, Grandpa, wait a second. <laughs> Aren't you in rehab for, for alcoholism? Yeah, okay, got it. No, but they put me in there with all these sinners if we're not very careful, we, we don't keep a watch on our hearts, we can start to view our friends and family who don't know Jesus with a heart of judgment and criticism and disappointment and even disgust. And this is not the heart of Jesus toward people who are far away from him. People just like us, really, before we put our faith in him. In fact, here's how Jesus viewed us before we put our faith in him and started walking through life with him. And it's how he views the people in our lives who don't know him yet. Here's what it said about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he was mad at them. He couldn't believe how, what filthy sinners they were. No, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's how Jesus saw the crowds. It's how he saw us before we put our faith in him. Another version of it says it like this. Jesus taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. His heart broke when he sees people that are far away from him going their own way. When he sees where we were before we put our faith in him going our own way. 
when he sees those of you who are listening that haven't put your faith in Jesus, that's how he looks upon us. His heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. If anybody had the right to look at the crowds of non-Jesus followers with contempt and anger and disgust at how they were living their lives apart from God, it, it was Jesus. I mean, here's God in the flesh. God in the flesh, the only perfect being who ever lived, God with us, walking the earth. And you sort of picture it, if God is walking down the street, I sort of think, man, he's going to come just raining down hellfire on all the sin that he sees. He's just walking down the street and goes, oh, sinner, boom, zap him off the face of the earth. Sinner, boom, gone. You sort of picture that's what God might do if he sees all this sin, you know, the sinners like us. But now when he looked at us, when he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. His heart broke. His heart was full of love and grace and mercy. And if you're a Christ follower, if you want to know the heart Jesus wants you to have, when you look at the lives of your friends and family and coworkers and teammates and roommates and neighbors who don't know Jesus, uh, there it is. It's a heart of compassion and love and grace and mercy. Because guess what? We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. The only difference between you and the people in your life who don't know Jesus, the only difference is that by God's grace, the great shepherd went and sought you out. We sing a song that talks about he leaves the 99, they're safe, goes to get the one. He went to get you, searched you out, pulled you out, dusted you off, said, this one's mine, put you on his shoulders and carried you. This one's mine. That's the only difference between people who have put their faith in Jesus and your friends who haven't. The shepherd got a hold of us and said, I want that one. That one's mine. You're like sheep without a shepherd before that happened. It's the only difference. So we don't really ever have the right. We don't ever have the place. We don't ever have the position to look at someone who's far from Jesus and develop a hard heart toward them. To get a heart that's judgmental and critical and high and mighty and holier than thou. How dare we? How dare we look at our friends and family like that, like the very religious people of Jesus' day who saw Jesus' heart for those who were far away from him and said, why does Jesus hang out with those people? Why does Jesus love those people? Why doesn't he hang out with us? Why is Jesus a friend of sinners? Sick. That's what they thought. I believe Jesus wore that name, friend of sinners, like a badge of honor. You know, when he heard him say, that Jesus is a friend of sinners, I bet he wanted to say, you're, you're darn right. I, <laughs> I don't know if he'd have said, you're damn right. He might. I don't know. That would have been very dramatic if he had said that. He said, yeah, you're, you're right. I am. That's who I came for. You people who think you're well, you don't need a doctor. I came for the people who know they're sick spiritually, who know they're nothing with God without me. They know they need a doctor. That's who I'm here for. 
And when I look at them, my heart is filled with compassion and love and grace and mercy. That's the heart Jesus wants us to have as his followers. If you're not a follower of Jesus listening to me today, I'm so glad you're here, so glad you're here this morning, so glad you're online, so glad you're checking this out, or you got drug here, whatever happened uh, to get you here. I'm so glad you're here. And I just want to tell you a couple things. If you've ever been treated as lesser than by a follower of Jesus, by a religious person, um, I, I sincerely apologize. I'm truly sorry. We should never treat people that are not Christ followers yet like that. You know, if we're keeping room in our heart for people that are far from Jesus, that should never happen. And wherever you are on the spiritual spectrum, if you're a cynic, a skeptic, an agnostic, atheistic, you're exploring, but you have a lot of questions, you're confused, but you want to know more, you're wrestling with some tough questions, there's one big takeaway today for you in this whole thing, and it's to catch the look on Jesus' face when he looks at you. Catch the look on Jesus' face when he looks at you. He's not mad at you. He's not waiting to zap you off the face of the earth when you rebel or sin against him or choose your own way over his. When he looked out over the crowds, when he looks at you, he has love and compassion and grace and mercy. I know this because he showed it over and over and over again. To the point that the church people, the religious people said, man, that friend of sinners, that's sick. And Jesus said, yeah, I am. Because just like all of us, you've been torn up by a spiritual enemy, left for dead, harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's why I'm here. So Christ followers, we've got to keep our hearts soft like that if we want to love the people in our lives who don't know Jesus. And I challenge you, followers of Jesus, to do this. Perform a regular heart check toward your friends and family who don't know Jesus. What's the state of your heart toward the people God has put in your life who aren't walking with him? What do you think about them? How do you respond? How do you, what do you do when they tell you about their life and how it's going? If it's anything short of a heart that breaks for your friends, then I want to ask you to pray. Pray, ask God to change your heart and make it like his. Keep room in your heart for those people in your life who don't know Jesus. But we've also got to keep room in our life for people who are far away from Jesus and his church. Because, again, if we're not careful, if we don't keep a, a watch on our life, the longer we follow Jesus, the more we have a tendency to fill up life with Christian stuff and Christian people. It just happens the Christian bubble wrap life. It's easy. It's safe. It feels, feels good. But before you know it, you look around and you don't really have anybody in your life, in your day, in your home, across a table who doesn't know Jesus. There's not really anybody. You sort of look at your life, you're weak. You go, man, I don't really regular. There's not really anybody around my life who, who's far away from God. You're surrounded by flashlights, the lights of the world all the time. You're surrounded by the salt all the time. Now, don't hear me saying that you shouldn't spend time with, with Christ followers. That's not where I'm going. Uh, don't email Ronnie and tell him, hey, that, that crazy old elder guy that you had speak, he said we shouldn't spend time with our Christian friends and shouldn't do Bible studies anymore. That, nope, that's not what I'm saying. You need the encouragement you get from fellow Christ followers. You need the light and the love and the life of, 
that Jesus poured uh, into your life through them as well. That's the only way you have anything to give to your friends and family who don't know Jesus. But a life that never has a non-Christ follower in it in a significant way, a life and time and schedule that isn't intentional about drawing close to those who God puts in your path who need him, that's a Christian bubble wrap life. It's not the life Jesus told us to live when he said, love your neighbor. And it's not the life that Jesus showed us how to live with his life. You read the accounts of Jesus' life in the New Testament books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and a big thing will jump out. Just read through those accounts sometime. Just spend a couple of months reading through just all about Jesus' life. And a big thing is going to jump out. Jesus didn't hang out with the religious crowd. He didn't hang out with them. In fact, he was pretty rough on the religious crowd. I don't think he really enjoyed the religious crowd. Because, mainly because of how difficult they made it for people who were trying to turn to God. But who he did hang out with all the time were those that the religious crowd rejected to the point that they began to identify Jesus with the crowds. You know, there are a lot of amazing Jesus moments you'll see as you read through there where Jesus is living for people who weren't his followers and with people who weren't his followers. When adulterers were brought to him, caught in the act of adultery, thieves hanging on a cross right next to him, some of the most despised people in society he's sitting at a table with having dinner, people with diseases that nobody else would touch, a woman who had run through five husbands and was living with man number six. These are the kind of encounters Jesus had all the time with people that weren't followers of his. Jesus liked hanging out with people who needed what he came to offer to the point that the religious people said this about him. Jesus is talking about himself, and he said, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. You know, God came in the present with you. I'm here. I'm eating and drinking. I'm hanging out with you. And they say, here's what the religious people said about Jesus. Here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. There it is again. A glutton and a drunkard. I don't know what the modern equivalent of that would be. I don't know if we call people gluttons you know, much anymore. They go, oh, I'm so ashamed. I'm a glutton. Uh, you know, I don't know what the modern equivalent of that would be, but I, I wish just once in my life somebody would call me a drunkard and a glutton. I mean, it'd be so awesome, not because I am one, but because I'm hanging out with them so much, just like Jesus. I'd love for somebody to go, man, you're a, whatever the modern equivalent is, you're a, I don't know, I can't, I can't come up with it. Maybe you can help me out. So a, after this message, you can make my day. Don't, don't come up and tell me, oh, that's a really good message. And, and I know that you fell asleep part, part of the way through. Don't, don't do that. Just come up and say, dude, you are a drunkard and a glutton. And I'm going to go, yes, I'll give you a big hug. So let's try that afterwards. I, I know some of you guys down here will do that for me, right? Drunkard and a glutton, sweet, I appreciate it. Uh, I'd love to be known as a friend of sinners. Love it. Because it's the life that Jesus modeled for us and said, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. But I need to put a couple of warning labels on this. A couple of warning labels on pursuing a life that has a steady influx of friends who don't know Jesus. First warning is you're going to be faced with some tough choices and some uncomfortable situations, um, especially with how you're maybe churchy 
uh, maybe religious friends might think about you. Um, like a college-age girl that was telling me recently about she was invited to hang out with some new work friends, and they, they knew she's a Christ follower, knew there's something kind of different about her. They go, hey, you want to come out, uh, come hang out with us, you know, watch a movie, play games, whatever. Um, and, and just to let you know, um, most of us um, smoke pot. So I don't know if you'd be super comfortable. I mean, you're going to, if you're there, you're going to leave smelling like you smoke pot, even if you didn't smoke pot. And she's like, yeah, you know, first thought, she's like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm a hard pass on that. And then she was thinking about, now, where would Jesus be in this thing? Where would Jesus be? And she goes, well, he would be right there, smelling like a pot smoker. So she, she rethought it, went, came out smelling like pot. She didn't do it, but she was, man, maybe that's the modern equivalent. You pot smoker, maybe. <laughs> or like our Christ-following friend who was struggling with whether to attend her gay brother's wedding. You know, she struggled with, what will my church friends think if they see me on Instagram having fun at this wedding and laughing and smiling? What are they going to think? Well, this is one of the warnings. Uh, you're going to have some tough choices, tough calls. It depends on who you want to look good for and who you want to make room in your life for. Um, if this is new for you as a Christ follower, you haven't done this much, you haven't you know, you thought, well, maybe when I put my faith in Jesus, I'm supposed to separate myself from all that. I need to get away from all that. You know, this, this might be uncomfortable for you at first, uh, but it's necessary if you're going to love your neighbor like Jesus told us and showed us. Here's my other warning label, warning label I want to put on this whole thing. And this is especially for uh, middle school students, high schoolers. If you haven't been listening to anything I've been saying, Clue in right here for just a couple minutes. College students, new followers of Jesus, um, you know, really, really anybody. Um, this life we're talking about that Jesus laid out of, of loving your friends and family who don't know Jesus, this, this applies to you guys too. Um, and I admire you guys so much, the life that you're living. It's so incredible to watch you grow and grow in your faith. It's, it's amazing. Um, but I, I want to encourage you guys, challenge you guys to keep a watch on yourself and a watch on each other in living a life like this, trying to be light in the dark. If you see in the middle of this, if you see that instead of being the influencer, that you're being influenced, while you're trying to be light in the dark, if you feel like, man, my relationship with God is suffering, I'm, I'm pulling back from God, I want to encourage you guys Get back around your small group. Get around a small group leader. Get around an you know, older Christ follower that's pouring into you to get yourself built back up and then get back in there. You can get swallowed up by the dark. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to kids really close to me trying to be light in the dark. They get swallowed up by the dark. Um, don't do it. College-age students, new followers of Jesus, everybody really, the first responsibility we have, Jesus said, is to your relationship with God. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So you got to take care of that relationship with God. If you see that being light in the dark is damaging your relationship with God, you got to pull out of that relationship, get built back up, and then get back in there. All right, back to talking to the whole room now. Everybody can come back. I want to challenge you on this. Examine your life, 
your time, your schedule? Do you have room in your life for people who don't know Jesus on a regular, intentional basis? Are you rubbing shoulders with people in your life who aren't following Jesus right now? What are you doing to draw close to them and share the love and grace and compassion and mercy of Jesus with them? Who are they? List these people in your life. Pray for them. Intentionally make opportunities to be with them in their comfortable settings. Again, you might feel uncomfortable, but you're going in their comfortable settings as much as your relationship with God will allow it. And here at Relevant, we've uh, developed some amazing resources to help you in this pursuit. Uh, you can go to our mobile app, uh, check there under resources, look for Reach One. If you don't have the app, text app 55444, you can get it. Or you can go to our website, relevantcommunity.org, go to the Next Steps tab, look for Reach One. Um, that'll give you some great resources to help you start spiritual conversations uh, by asking great questions and listening. That, that's a lot of what this is all about, asking great questions, being in life with people, loving them, having compassion, grace, mercy, just listening, walking through life with them. All right, we've covered some good ground today about keeping room in your heart and room in your life for friends, family, coworkers, roommates, teammates, neighbors who don't know Jesus. I want to wrap up this morning by hearing from a couple of friends of mine, uh, Jason and Megan Gregory. Um, these guys live what we're talking about so beautifully. Um, so I wanted you to hear from them. Their, their lives, their home, their kitchen table is a refuge. It's a gathering place for people far from God. And they've created such a safe, loving place um, in their home and in their lives for their friends who are searching. And I wanted you to hear um, why they do that, how they do that. Take a look. I think f for me, it's, it's personal. Um, I had a lot of negative experiences with strong believers. Like I, I was on the other side of um, the hard judgment and, and the hard things. Um, and so I remember that all the time. My heart is just for people who were like me. I think one of the things is somebody cared enough about us to share Jesus with us in the first place. It's easy, I think it's easy for both of us to get into a spot where our house is open. Uh, it's always been an open house. Uh, she always wanted a comfortable pair of jeans for people to walk into when they get to the house. Jason and I are really intentional about um, leaving space to walk with people. We um, do game nights as a family night. We have, I cook for 14, we're a family of four. Um, so we cook for 12 to 14 on game night and whoever shows up shows up, but there's always food. You know, we laugh that the kitchen table is, is like probably the most sacred space in my entire house. We have people that we've been investing in and inviting for, I don't know, seven or eight years now. Um, and we still, you know, once in a while we'll sit down and invite again, um, but it's never the, the overarching feeling of our conversation because we love them where they are regardless of the fact that they still haven't shown up. <laughs> I think one thing that comes to mind is, and it, you know, I, we're talking, it's like, if not us, then who, right? And that should be all of our attitudes, right? If not us, then who? You know, there's there a young man that, that shot us a text at 1030. We were getting ready to go to bed one evening. Um, and he's like, uh, hey, are you guys up? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can I come over? Like, yeah. So he comes over here and he's bawling his eyes out, um, just 
crushed. I've got stuff going on at home. Um, Everything's falling apart. The entire family's a mess, and uh, we we got to walk with him through that. And he's he doesn't go to doesn't go to church anywhere. Uh, his family is not uh, active. Yeah, they're not active. And at the end of the conversation, I said, "Hey, can can I pray for you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'd love that." And so we got the chance to, to just pray with him. But after he left, I'm like, if, if I wouldn't have answered that text, and you know, this is, this is again, pressures mm. of the world are in, intense, right? And so who knows who knows where he would have ended up if I would have said, nah, we're going to bed. We're too tired. Megan's really good at it. Um, and I, I try to, to hear those whispers and those promptings and the Holy Spirit nudges um, that say, you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to invest in this person, um, even if we don't know what to say. We just listen. Someone loved me when I was a mess, and I've never forgotten that. Um, what makes me different is Christ loved me first and forgave me first, and now it's my, it's not even my responsibility. I think it's funny that's the word we're using in this series, but it's my opportunity to show that same grace where I can remember what a mess I was and how holy as in fully, someone loved me with no pretense, no, uh, you have to come to church with us, no, you have to make these next steps. It was, they just loved me right there for a minute, you know? So I think we try to do that. Thanks to Jason and Megan for sharing your story. Awesome. Um, thank you guys for living a life that, that models this command of Jesus to, to love your neighbor like this. Uh, followers of Jesus, keep room in your heart and room in your life for those people that God puts in your path who need him. You got to keep room in your heart, room in your life. Those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, you're investigating, checking all this out. You need to know when Jesus looks at you, he has a heart of love, compassion, grace, mercy. As you're considering putting your faith in him, moving toward him. No, that's the, the God that's waiting. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for uh, telling us about this life you want us to live. Thanks for modeling it. Thanks for showing it over and over and over and over and over again that uh, you definitely didn't live a Christian bubble wrap life. Man, you were mixing it up with people all the time. Uh, God, I pray for all the Christ followers in the room, God, give us the courage, give us the heart uh, to love people like that. Give us the courage, give us the, the intentionality to live life like that, that there's a steady flow of people in our life who, who need you that we're just pouring your love into. And God, for the folks here in the room online that are, that are looking toward making the move toward you, looking at putting their faith in you, just let them know today drive deep into their heart just how much you love them, how much you are for them. God, we love you. We're so grateful we get to be your kids, that you picked us out, that you said, I, I want that one. Um, God, help us to live a life uh, that, that makes us worthy of that. In Jesus' name, amen.